Welcome to Dog Training Disrupted by Upward Dogology, where I retrain your brain and introduce you to the world of cognitive behavioral therapy for dogs over the age of six months. Do you feel your skills and knowledge and energies are underutilized? Does your job match your morals and goals? Well, my guest today has the most interesting and inspiring story. After a life-changing event involving a dog in need, Kirk Murray left his successful career with a fast food chain to become an author, vegan, animal advocate, and creator of a non-profit providing business advice and support to dozens of rescue organizations. His story is fascinating, and his energy is infectious. Stay tuned. And I'm the kind of girl can roll like a guy, but I really don't know. If you're ready for the ride, I'm Hello, I'm Billy Groom, your host and successful canine cognitive behavioral therapist for three decades. And I'm so excited that we have Kirk Murray with us here today. Hey, Kirk, how's it going? Good, good. Glad to be here, Billy. Thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, that's awesome. Where are you? Uh, where are you uh, hanging your hat? Yeah, so I am in a little town called Hinesville. Uh, it's about 45 minutes southwest of Savannah in Georgia. Oh, how beautiful. Yeah. Oh, God, it must be just beautiful there. That's so great. It is. Most of the time, it's starting to get a little cold now. Um, not cold like up there where you're at, though. So, I, <laughs> you know, I am I am doing much better uh, down here and, and not very uh, akin to the weather up north. So I don't even know how y'all do it sometimes up there. So yeah, I am, I am very grateful to have the weather down here. Yeah, I bet. That's great. Um, yeah. And you have two little dogs, so that's good that they they probably like the uh, the warmer weather. What do you, tell us about your dogs? Yeah, yeah. So we got two dogs, uh, Maximus and Spartacus. Um, uh, Maximus is a Yorkie poo, and Spartacus is a Morky. Um, and they definitely have like gladiator themed names. Uh, I love, you know, ancient history and uh, I love the movie Gladiator. And so hmm. uh, when we got them, we definitely went with the um, the Gladiator theme names. You know, my wife let us do it. And she loves it. So it all worked out they fine. Suit it. Yeah. I bet they live up to it. Now, they, they, do. they do. Their paws are on is, are on the cover of your book. Is that right? Tell us about your book. Yeah. Yeah. So my book uh, is called Paw Prints in Our Hearts, uh, How a Few Incredible Dogs Changed One Life Forever. And their paw prints are actually on the front cover of the book. Um, and in this book, basically, I go through a uh, time period of my life, um, starting when I'm 13 years old, and basically talk about the five dogs in my life from childhood to adulthood, and how they helped me uh, overcome bullying, uh, depression, uh, drug abuse, and eventually led me to starting my uh, nonprofit organization, the Lexi's Legacy Foundation. Uh, you know, today we've been able to help uh, care and rescue over 500 abused animals across the world now. So um, those wow. those little incredible dogs uh, helped change me. So it was, you know, it's been an incredible journey, and they do very help thankful us for so the animals much. in my life. Yeah, yeah, that's great. What a great book. So. Yeah. The Lexi Legacy, it, it, tell us about that organization. It's nonprofit. Right, right, right. Yeah, so I'll go back to sort of like how it all started, um, sort of from, from the beginning, right? Sure, um, yeah. And so I was not, you know, always like this animal lover that I am today. I, I think a lot of us, you know, I, I, I don't know if this happens in high school or just like, you know, in our, in our we just, 
have this belief that like success is like the accumulation of material things, right? If I can have this really nice car, or this really nice house, or this nice stuff, I will be happy, right? It'll 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 be enough. And so uh, I sort of found that, you know, my early and, and late twenties, uh, what I what I defined as success, what the world would, um, you know, at the time I had, you know, I'd bought like a Dodge Challenger Hellcat. I had a 2016 Dodge Viper GT, um, you know, customs and one of one, you know, and I, and I thought from there, I was like, man, this is like, you know, I, I should be super happy right now, but I'm really not. I'm kind of just like, yeah, I want something else. Like it's never enough. Uh, You're never fulfilled. Plan, it's that difference yeah. between happy in a moment and being fulfilled in overall. Right. So true. And I, you know, I thought that, you know, my next thing was going to be, I'm going to buy this, you know, $300,000 McLaren 720, you know, sports car. I was like, man, that, that'll be it. Once I get that, it's just, I'm, my life is going to be like complete. Um, and so uh, I was living that life. And, and one day we were at the car dealership and I found this homeless puppy, right? Uh, tried to rescue him. Long story short, I actually wrote about him in my book. Um, he ended up dying. And so by the time I found him, it was too late. Um, he ended up having parvo, intestinal worms, uh, some some other blood infections. And, and really, it was just, you know, his last moments were going to be with me, essentially. Um, and so once he, he, he passed, I was devastated. I was like, man, this, even though this, this type of thing happens in every city around the world every day, mm-hmm. um, I thought it to does. myself, someone's got to do something about this. Like this can never happen again. Right. Um, and, and so I said, you know, I think I'm going to write a book and it's crazy. Right. So I never wrote a book before, never done anything like this. Uh, I guess I'll write a book and I'll donate all the proceeds to like an animal rescue or something. Um, and as I started writing the book, I had a crazier idea. I'm like, you know what? Why don't I just start my own nonprofit? How hard could it be, right? Um, and so there, there is a lot of work uh, behind a nonprofit. So I do not recommend you just randomly start a nonprofit like I did. <laughs> um, you know, I stuck with it though. Um, and then there's a lot more work to it than, than just that. But yes. Uh, but yes. And so I uh, started the nonprofit originally with the intention of just caring uh, for animals by like basically supporting um, shelters and sanctuaries and rescues uh, in the in the country, the United States. And so uh, it started off as like just a donation based thing where we were just going to like give donations out. And what I realized was there's always a need for money and money is not going to really solve the issue at the root, you know, Um it is a tool that will help us accomplish what we want to accomplish to end animal suffering, but there's so much more behind it than just like giving money. And so I thought to myself, like, how else can I help this, uh, you know, help end animal suffering through my nonprofit? And so uh, I decided to use my business experience um, and really help these uh, animal rescues out, right? And so, so all let's, the animal let's rescues, talk about yep. that for a second. Your yep. business experience is uh had quite a bit of an effect on it was a, quite a big change right Let, let's just backtrack here a second just okay. give yeah. a little lowdown on your business experience yeah. yeah yeah so um before so when i got out of college i was a district manager at waffle house um and then i ended up uh leaving that and was an executive director at chick-fil-a 
uh, for about four years. Uh, then I ended Is up leaving. Is that a fast food chicken place? We don't know. We don't have those. In yes. Canada. Oh yeah. 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 So I, I forget you're in Canada. Yeah. So Chick Fil A is the uh, probably the largest, uh, most well known brand in America uh, for uh, fast food. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So that that's it right there. So was with plus I don't for, eat fast that, food. So so uh, yeah, some of these listeners yeah. might be looking at me thinking you don't know what Chick Fil A is. But anyway. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah, the American ones will definitely be confused. I forget you're in Canada. So I'm like, yeah, I don't I don't think Chick Fil A is in Canada yet. Um, I don't think but, so. But yeah, so I was there for uh, I think it's a little over four years, and then ended up leaving. Um, you know, I had you know vegan convictions, and so. Uh, I became a vegan in this process of uh, animal rest. You know, so I never thought so three, you know, five years ago, if you would have said, hey, you're going to, you know, you're going to leave Chick-fil-A, leave the six-figure career, you're going to become an animal activist, a vegan, I would have laughed at you. Like, there is <laughs> no way I am giving up my car. I, you know, I don't really want to help animals to that extent um, and, and all that. But, you know, as I got into the animal rescue, uh, world, you know, my original intentions were to help cats and dogs. Um, and cause I really didn't know about some of the things that happened to, to farmed animals, right. In animal agriculture and, uh, how really just learning that all animals are capable of joy and suffering, right. No matter their species. And so, um, as I, you know, I follow some of these accounts on Instagram where I saw these things called farm sanctuaries, right. And I was like, what is that? I never heard of like this place where like these, these farm animals can live out the rest of their life in peace. And so uh, as I started, you know, going through and, and, and connecting with some of these, these sanctuaries, it, it, felt, it felt strange to me that I was willing to help, you know, cats and dogs and not other animals, you know, not that I was unwilling to, but it, that was just the intention. And so I basically right. said, you know what, we're going to help all animals now you know, not just cats and dogs, because there's tons of abused animals in every, you know, in farm, farm animals, especially. Um, and so as I was doing that, uh, I ended up becoming a vegan. Um, just, you know, really when someone says, what's, what's veganism? You know, if you could say it in one sentence, like, what is it? Uh, really, it is the belief that an animal's life is worth more than a sandwich, <laughs> you know? Yeah. That's like, really that, what it boils like, down to. Yeah, like yeah. we're going to like just just say it very simply that like I believe that an animal's life is worth more than a sandwich. Um, and even the fact, even the the science behind veganism, you think about some of the athletes, right? When they train uh, and they they do these like you know these uh, Ironmans or, or whatever, they go on vegan diets for a reason, right? Uh, so even the science behind uh, the the health aspect of veganism is, is there. Uh, and for me, it wasn't really so much that you can definitely be an unhealthy vegan, by the way, uh, you know, I have lots of <laughs> yes. other things there. There are vegans who are very unhealthy, by the way. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I, yes. uh, you know, for me, it was more of the, the moral issue, uh, of it for me. And right. so as I'm running this, this organization, the Lexi Legacy Foundation, helping animals on the back end, I'm, I'm with Chick-fil-A. Um, in a restaurant. And so restaurants are so far removed from the process of uh, the breeding, the slaughtering, the, you know, the abuse part, like they are so far removed from it. So when you get the final product of, uh, of a chicken sandwich, right, or a, uh, a hamburger or something, um, it doesn't look like an animal, you don't connect it to an animal, you just think it's a thing, right? Uh, but when we really, it's a really mindset. Pop, 
Yeah. And when we think about it is that it's like this, this animal had a life, right? And it only had one life, just like us. And we took it for a sandwich that we don't even care about, by the way, that we're going to, you know, get out of our body and we're going to be thinking about the next thing, you know, but it lost its opportunity to have a life here. Uh, and even worse, it's just like, you know, you look at somebody, I mean, you can Google the, the, the Dominion movement or any of these um, uh, slaughterhouse videos. And, and I, I would beg to say that, like, I would say most people, if they were to witness what actually happens in these places, they would stop. They would become vegan. And that's what happened to me. When I saw these things, I was like, this is an evil. I I would never even fathom, you know, in my head. Um, and so... That's so what veganism takes the approach of, um, you know, in, in a roundabout way, takes the approach of if there's no audience, there ain't no show, right? Supply and demand. So right. the solution that veganism takes on that, I'm not saying everybody who's vegan does it for this reason. As you oh, said, some sure. people could do it for health and some people, uh, you know, uh, it might be expensive to get meat where they live. I mean, who knows? There's lots of reasons, right. but the the idea of going vegan to eliminate animal abuse is taking the the route of no supply, yeah, you know, no demand, no supply. Um, now, that obviously needs to be combined with efforts. And awareness, because you also brought up another really interesting point that you just simply didn't even know. You you just didn't even know that these animals were being tortured and living terrible lives just so that you could have a sandwich tomorrow, essentially, right? right. So awareness yeah. is big. And so the Lexi, Lexi's legacy, is it, I just want to get back to that for a sec. So yeah. You were talking about how you started out raising money and you were bringing in your corporate experience and it was it was supposed to be giving money but it it's also awareness has has it has it changed yeah. direction on that it, or it's evolved yeah for sure so it's evolved for sure so once I I became a vegan right um there was that moral dilemma for me that I like on one end I have an animal rescue that is committing to rescuing animals and then on the back end I'm making money in a company that profits from the abuse of animals, you know, even though right. most people would never say it, like they would never think that. And I didn't think that before. Um, but the product is the product of suffering. And so I ended up leaving the company. Um, I just couldn't do it anymore. And so what this ended up evolving to the Lexi's Legacy Foundation was more than just uh, donations, right? Um, that we would just give grants and all that. So basically what I wanted to do was I, I looked at these, these animal rescues and I noticed that, uh, man, they're, they're super awesome people, very passionate about caring for animals, but a lot of them don't have business acumen, right? Where mm -hmm. they, they know how to run a business. They just have passion to help animals. And so, and they're in the day to day in the weeds and they're not thinking about growing their team, being out in the community, uh, doing things that a CEO should be doing, right? Um, to grow their business. Um, and so basically, I, I, I partner with these, these animal rescues and come up with, it's basically nonprofit consulting, I guess, in a way you could you know, boil it down to that, where I go through and, and we go through a plan with them. Like, okay, what is your biggest challenge? 
All right. And oftentimes it's not what they say. It's often something that's rooted, uh, you know, seven layers deep um, of why are donations not coming in or why is this? You know, then I start asking those questions like, hey, when do you post on social? Do you, do you even post on social media? Do you make uh, relationships in your community? Um, do you have a volunteer team that can help you so you have the capacity to do these things? And so from team building to raising donations to uh, really whatever they need. Um, and that, those are things I did at Chick-fil-A. And so uh, being able to use that experience to help them in a greater capacity than just like, hey, I can give you $1,000, but tomorrow your problems are going to be exactly the same. And so I totally I've been get able that. To, yeah, being able to, yeah. to really just help them uh, from a deeper level to make a more of a lasting impact. Uh, and so that's where my passion's at with that. And so we just, and, and this is something that people don't realize that like uh, executive coaching like this, this would cost, you know, a CEO thousands of dollars a month to do, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just something that I want to offer, you know, to them just because I've had years of training and investment in me. Um, and man, I just want to give that back to them, to a, to these people who I, I love tremendously, who are doing the, the wonderful work that needs to be done, which I have no passion of doing, by the way, like I do not want to have an animal sanctuary with 300 animals and get up at four in the morning and get off at, you know, be done at 11 o'clock that night and doing it. You know, I don't have that passion, uh, but I love to support the people who do. Um, So what this really boils down to is each individual person taking their skill set and what they can do and whether they learn that through something that isn't animal related at all, or in the case of your anti animal, <laughs> anti pro, you learned your skills through an anti pro animal. So, whatever skill people have, they can they can take that and use it in their own unique way to help either organizations or animals or individual people. It doesn't even have to be specifically, like you said, working hands-on with the animals. There's so many avenues for people to help. Did you just breeze there? Oh, I think you did. Oh, yeah, you're back. Yeah, I don't know, like sort of froze or something. I don't know. If yeah, you just froze right. there for a second. Okay. No problem. I, I My internet back. connection is unstable. Yeah. No, you are totally fine. But uh, there we go. Okay. But yeah. So like, you know, it's <laughs> you so froze true. in a really nice position. If that helped, you know, you had a big smile. Yeah, on yeah, your face. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't sure. I was like, yeah, she stopped talking. So I think yeah. we're frozen for a second. Uh, <laughs> totally fine. It, it is the the world of Zoom today. Um, it is. And so you're you're so right that people are. I, I really what I've learned from from this whole you know journey in animal rescue is that like we are capable of more than we believe we can do right and so it is not like i am not advocating by the way like you need to go write a book and donate all the proceeds you need to go start your own nonprofit. that is the path i am not advocating for by the way uh, that's just the one i took um and so i, th- I think a lot of people really underestimate like even uh, i i know these rescues they they need money right like there's no doubt they need this tool of money to help care for the animals uh, and even when we, we dive into that, a lot of people don't realize how far a dollar will go a month, mm-hmm. right? Uh, I follow mm-hmm. these rescues and I'm like, man, this, this rescue has like 35,000 followers. Uh, man, it, imagine if they just had like everyone donated $1 a month to them, like what mm-hmm. they could do. 
Um, and so I just want to like reiterate this to everyone, like, man, even if it's just a dollar, um, that goes such a long way to a meal for an animal or maybe a couple meals for an animal. Um, and, and just cause you can't do everything doesn't mean you shouldn't do something, especially if you have a passion right. to do it. And so even looking at, uh, other options, right. Where you're looking at like, what is, you know, if I have a passion for caring for animal, like what is my greatest talent I can utilize, uh, in helping this, you know, help an animal suffering, even in my community, because that's where it starts is communities. And so, uh, for me, it was, you know, basically this nonprofit consulting, helping mm-hmm. animal rescues with, with their business. Uh, but for you, maybe it's something as simple as, um, you know, volunteering your time at a shelter, maybe it's giving blankets to, to your animal rescue. Uh, one thing that is often underestimated is just sharing their posts, you know, on Instagram, like, save, comment, share, you know, yes. make it visible on the algorithm, do something to help them. Um, maybe it, it's fostering. Fostering is such a huge thing that people don't realize that um, it, it really saves the lives of animals, right? So when you're fostering these animals, um, you're opening up, you're opening capacity for these rescues to take in more animals, um, that may end up in a, in a shelter or something that they couldn't. And so, uh, fostering and a lot of the time, um, the, the rescues will pay for, you know, the, the care of the animal and you're just fostering the animal for X amount of time. Um, that's an option. Commonly too, they do commonly, yeah. you know, right. I've seen, again, I've seen most of the time that's they something do. that's important to look into yeah. when you're fostering is you know, look into how they, they work and they do it differently. Cause all these rescues run their rescues their own way. They all do it their own way. And I've, I've had great relationships with, um, gosh, dozens, at least dozens, if not hundreds over the three decades. And that's the one thing they are all different. They are all run differently. So I do find that they absolutely, they all have the one thing in common. They need fosters and they need money. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. They're always always asking for money. But you're right. A lot of times it's, it's a little bit deeper. It it goes a bit deeper. So there's so many different solutions because if they didn't have as many animals surrendered or if the number of dogs in their local because some of them get them from the high kill shelters so they're taking them right, right out of a high kill shelter that is supported by their government financially right. in part anyway as well as donations and they're the ones taking these dogs and they're not you know they're a no-kill rescue work and now they've got these dogs so if you take this problem back to to the root why is the dog being surrendered in the first place so of course this is getting more to what what I I do, but it all works as a whole. It all works as a whole because right. if we all take what we have individually and put it into the process and help that individual part of the process. The one point that you said that I really like is that they are so overburdened too at the moment. Like they are very right now this dog or this cat or this animal needs help right now. They are volunteers. They have families. They often yeah. have jobs on their own that are completely out of the animal industry. So they are volunteers and they're trying their best and they get overwhelmed with what's happening right now in this moment. That to yeah. start taking courses on, um, you know, they'll often ask me, oh, you know, Billy, can you help with this one dog that we have? Yes. But by understanding how to work with these dogs as a whole, on a larger scale, 
or to have people involved in their rescue organization like yourself that can take on the other parts or have people that are part of their rescue organization and want to help the rescue organization, but maybe not hands-on, they could learn from you other ways of helping that rescue organization without even being hands-on with the pets. Yeah, there's a lot, like even going back to just like, you know, the root issues of like, you know, animals, just, you know, you look at like spay and neutering, right? Or a lot yeah. of people are getting animals. And like, if you uh, spay or neuter an animal, you are, I, I can't remember the last statistic I saw, is like, you could be saving up to like 500 other animals by doing that, right? Yeah. Um, and just even like supporting rescues who are doing that, you know, the trap and uh, neutering and things for, for cats, you know, uh, you know, the trap and release for, for the cats cats out there um and even looking at uh, i know you had an episode about this uh about you know just giving animals as a gift right to someone uh because someone made or a child right uh, who asked for an animal it's like when you sign up for an animal uh you need to be able to commit 10 to 15 years right and like be okay with like the medical expenses be okay with like no, it is going to cost you money and cost you time. And at times it's going to be inconvenience, but it like the worst thing you could do is send them back to a shelter, you know, because yeah. you, you made a bad decision. Uh, and if you can't commit to that, like don't even commit to it. You can still help animals without committing to them, i.e. fostering, right? You can foster. And a lot of people, I'm sure you heard of the term a foster fail, right? Where yeah. they end up adopting the animal uh, from the foster uh, through the foster process. But Nice educated decision there, though, right? Part of an educated decision process. I think the yeah. the one that the episode you're referring to is Kieran Walsh's book. Yeah, yeah that was a fairly yeah. recent episode. Yeah, and his um, his book uh, just goes through the process of helping people make an, helping families make an educated decision on whether they should even get a family pet. It's so important. There's so much education and awareness as well. So do you have other people affiliated with uh, the Lexi's Foundation, or is it just you? Yeah, so it's really ran by me and my wife. Um, we do have a board and a couple volunteers, but we work uh, mostly remotely. So we don't do a ton of hands-on stuff because we work with, I mean, we work with rescues like internationally now. So it's a lot of Zoom conversations, a lot of uh, phone calls, uh, things like that. We do do some things where our local Humane uh, Society here in Savannah. We've done some things. We've donated blankets to them, um, taking uh, people in the community to go see like these animals here and 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 what happens to them. And um, and so yeah, so we we are mostly remote um, and just consulting basically is what we do uh, and supporting. You know, any way that we can support uh, these animal rescue leaders. Uh, we recently started something called like the Care Initiative where. Uh, the focus, what, well, really the reason why we started this was what I was seeing from Animal Rescue, like on Instagram and, and just these, 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 these rescues we follow, man, there is so much mental, like mental health struggles in Animal Rescue that people just, I, I never even thought of, um, you know, because they're taking in these animals, right, who have been abused or, um, you know, there, there was a rescue that took in and uh you know took in like a donkey that got hit with a baseball bat several times or something right yeah by the farmer because it, it the donkey just wouldn't move <laughs> so that's yeah. why it got beat you know and so when you see these things or these animals that come to you and you're trying to rescue them uh and they end up dying or something happens right or and you end up rescuing them they die years later 
there is that that traumatic experience. I mean, you imagine how we feel when we lose an animal that you know that we raise as a puppy, right? Um, that we grew up with, our childhood animal, and we are just like distraught. Uh, and they deal with that on a daily basis, you know. Yeah. Except they don't have time to process it because they have they have two hundred other animals they have to take care of. And so what I was real, what I was seeing was, I mean, there is a huge like mental health thing, and a lot of these these animal rescue uh, leaders, you know, have PTSD. They have these these things that you would uh, you would never think that they would have. And so, and, and there's such a demand on them to be these almost in a way uh, these animal rescue machines, right? Where uh, these you know somebody's rescues with thousands of followers, and and they're just expected to like be posting every day, like you know, show us what you're doing, all this stuff. And, and, and they're at the end of the day, they're just normal people, just like you and me, yes. um, who, who love animals, but they are in a very bad mental state. A lot of them are, and it's super sad. And I'm like, man, someone's got to do something about this because if these people don't do what they're doing, the whole thing's going to fall apart. And so, um, you know, we started something called the care initiative where basically every so often, uh, well, well, I guess the purpose of it is to care for animal rescue leaders, the, the ones who are taking care of the animals. And so one of the, the things that we've done was we've helped connect um, anyone who needed help with uh, paying for, uh, you know, counseling or uh, therapy. Um, we would pay for it for them if they couldn't afford it. So that's something we've been able to connect. We've been able to do for some of them. Another thing that we've done is something called the Fun Day, which I love. One of my favorite things that we've done where basically we select an animal rescue leader. Uh, it was on a monthly basis. Uh, we're actually stopping doing it on a monthly basis because it was so much work to do. Where basically we select an animal rescue leader. Uh, we highlight them in the community. Uh, now to go, you know, Instagram live, have a community of people, you know, four of us now are on it and we can say something nice about the leader, really encourage them, build them up. And then we pay for what we call the fun day where they get to go out with their spouse, a partner, a friend, and they go do whatever they want. You know, whether it's going to, you know, we've had some book, uh, you know, overnight camping trips somewhere. Um, mm. Some of them went to a spa dinner with their friends. Because a lot of these people, you don't realize, like, they, they've worked, you know, for years and don't really have, haven't had a day off, you know, where they've yes. been able to get away and, like, they don't have money because all their money is going to help the animal, even from their own business, yeah. from their own personal money. And so really to to, to help restore them from that uh, aspect. And then also we're, we're, in the process of getting them a community room on Zoom where basically they can connect with other animal rescue leaders, right? For uh, lunch or something where they can just say, hey, you're in California, I'm in New Jersey, uh, let's have lunch together. You know, even if it's just 15 minutes where you could see that familiar face. I know that uh, Zoom does not replace an in-person meeting, of course, but um, it is the best we can do right now, right? To help connect people. And eventually we want to do events from there. Uh, to really help celebrate them. So that's something, an initiative we've been super proud of. And we've seen so much joy in the animal rescue community uh, through that. And I didn't see anyone else doing that. And that was something that I, I love encouraging people and building people up and just seeing them, like their faces light up and just, you know, really realizing what they do matters, um, you know, and helping inspire them. Like it, it's been, it's been wonderful. So good for you. That is so great. It is really I mean, I know firsthand it can go one day to the next day to the next day and you never stop to give yourself a pat on the back or you never stop to remember why you're doing what you do and why you have made a difference, how you've made a difference, even if it was on what you consider to be a small level. It, it, it's huge and it makes a huge difference. But at some point, 
you can take a day off. And then <laughs> with people with um, entrepreneurial and passion mentalities, that that just we just don't do it. We just don't. We're yeah. always doing something every day. It goes one day to the next. And it and I've worked or volunteered hands on with lots of these rescues where uh, we are intending. Well, I remember specifically in Mexico, we were intending to go out for dinner. But on the way there, getting gas, he was getting gas and found a dog at the gas station that was about to die. So that just changed plans right there. And yeah. and you know, the dog came before the, you just don't do it. You, you do. There's always something that needs to be done. And that mentality is, can really be, um, people can burn out a lot from it. Yeah. Like, you know, you hear people talk about compassion fatigue, right? Where it's just like, they're just going yes. and going and going. Um, and they don't take that time to sort of reset and restore. And so that's what we hope to provide through that. And even just like, uh, you know, through the consulting is is helping them create a sustainable business, right? Where a lot of them are, um, you know, they may be running a solo show there, um, mm -hmm. and they are they're going to, you know, I'm like in five years, you cannot do what you're doing now. Like, there's no way you can keep this pace for five more years. Um, yeah. So something has to change, right? So let's start with building a team of volunteers. Let's start small. Let's get them to, you know, uh, and just trying to help them build a sustainable business and even, yeah, just like that sustainable mentality, because like, this is a long game, you know, like there's always, and it, it's hard from an animal rescue leader's point of view, because like they, you know, want to save the world, like who doesn't, right? Um, but it, it's just, you've got to take care of yourself or else like the animals will end up, the animals you do have and the ones you could end up taking care of uh, end up suffering because you're not, you know, your best self, so. Yeah, whoa, sorry, uh, I just dropped my water bottle there. Uh, so I think, <laughs> oh, and I lost my train. Oh, so on this podcast, actually, a number of the episodes are dedicated to interviews with these amazing rescue organizations who just do incredible things and to people who, uh, donate their skill and expertise in different ways. So if some of the listeners out there are interested in how people do that differently and, and how the challenges that the rescue organizations face around the world. We have some from Thailand. Oh, well, across the States and over in Europe. And there's, the, we, we interview a number of different, different ones that are just, just amazing rescue organizations. I have one coming up from India. And then of course there's, you know, ones like pilots to the rescue and uh, yeah. the oh, trucking companies that, that yeah. take the, the dogs across or the cats across. One even took a bird to its new home. You know, so people are doing a lot of really great things and you're supporting those. So that is also why uh, I wanted to have you as a guest on, on the show as well, because your, your input is to help others who are inputting, which is inputting who are helping. So that is just wonderful. And I will have all your links in the show notes do you want to uh share with us what your social media and how people can find you yeah for sure so uh one way you can find me is going on amazon barnes and noble uh books a million and finding my book does it right here paw prints in our hearts happy a couple dogs change one life forever all the proceeds are going to be donated to the lexi's legacy foundation 
Um, you can find our social media at uh, it, it's spelled Lexus because uh, you can't put an apostrophe uh, in there. So it's spelled LexusLegacyFoundation.org. Um, you can also find us on Instagram uh, at the Lexi's Legacy Foundation uh, or, or on Facebook at the same thing, the Lexi Legacy Foundation. Uh, feel free to reach out. Love to connect with uh, any of you who are wanting to help animals in your community. Maybe you need more direction. Um, but man, there's so many people just doing awesome things. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't have to overthink it. Um, <laughs> and if you just, you know, it, it is not about, again, it is not about writing a book or starting your own nonprofit or having a plane, you know, to fly to fly <laughs> pets across America, you know, uh, which is awesome. Although we would all love that. Yeah. Yeah, we would all love that. <laughs> but it's doing what you can do with what you have. Right. And Absolutely. just because you can't do everything doesn't mean you shouldn't do something because every bit matters. Every bit of effort matters. Um, even you, you'd be so surprised of just the one thing you could do to change the life of one animal uh, who would not have received love because uh, if you hadn't stepped in. So uh, be brave, like step out there, connect with your local rescue, uh, local shelter. Like if you call them, just ask them, hey, what do you need help with? Like they could be that simple of a call. And they'll tell you, by the way, they will not hold back and say, oh, no, we don't need any help. We're all good. We're fully staffed. We have no problems. Um, You will never hear that answer. So (laughs) there's always something that you could do for animals in your community. And I just encourage all of you just to reach out and do something. That's awesome. Thanks so much, Kirk. It's a pleasure having you on the show. And we'll keep in touch, I'm sure. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for having me, Julie. Always great to chat with Kirk. He is on a mission to make everyone the best they can be, and what a great mission that is. Career paths for some people are straightforward, but for Kirk and I, that is not the case. If you are new to this podcast, I encourage you to check out the first episode, where in around 20 minutes, I give the fast-track version of my unconventional learning journey, leading to the creation of Upper Dogology and my unintentional success as a canine cognitive behavioral therapy specialist. These accomplishments over my three-decade journey, flourished from rescuing dogs and working in the pet care industry, where I noticed many people with the best of intentions and rescue organizations struggle with dogs over the age of six months, which often led to surrenders, returns, and euthanasia due to behavioral reasons. As an animal advocate, I have volunteered extensively, and I strongly encourage anyone who can volunteer to do so. There are so many ways to volunteer, as Kirk said. And do not underestimate your ability to harness your skills in a career that helps animals. Being an entrepreneur, innovator, and industry disruptor is certainly not for everyone and not always easy, but I am grateful to have a successful and rewarding career. My goal is now to share upward dogology on a larger scale and have a part of mainstream dog education to eliminate the perceived need for behavioral surrender and euthanasia. Please support Kirk and the Lexi Foundation by purchasing his book. The link is in the show notes. The second edition of my book was recently released, and although my marketing promotion abilities and skills do not match up to those of Kirk, I appreciate all the support I have received, as does Kirk and the other authors, volunteers, advocates, and professionals featured on this podcast. Even the smallest gesture makes a world of difference. Please follow Upward Dogology on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, and on LinkedIn, I'm Billy Groom. Please share this episode and I invite you to check out the other episodes if you're interested in dog behavior, the human-animal bond, rescued dogs, 
scientific studies on canine behavior, the adolescent stage for dogs, and to learn all about amazing people like Kirk who help animals in need. Thanks to the musicians, the Jeff Murdoch Band and Danielle Borgiord. Enjoy your learning journey.